Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Shirley Buck, thank you so much for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. I am super excited about our time together. And like we said before we hit record, everybody has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. We know that you're going to tell us your life story today, and our listeners are going to connect with you somehow, and it's going to inspire and motivate them to go do things that they've been putting off, and that's what we're all about. So thanks again Great. for being here. Thank you for having me. I, I was really looking forward to this. So with your permission, we're going to start with where you were born, go all the way up to today. And we okay. want to talk about your book. And we also want to talk about the impactful transformational coaching that you're doing. Okay. Okay. So where were you born? Great. I Where was I born? Or when? Yeah. Okay. I was born in Chicago. Okay. Um, I was born to deaf parents and that does carry a challenge because you become their ears and their voice at a very young age. For example, they were divorced when I was five years old and I interpreted that divorce for them at five years old. So um, I had to take on a lot of responsibility at a very young age. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, throughout the divorce, um, my my mother had remarried a man that was abusive and she started to drink and became an alcoholic. And he talked her into selling our house, moving to the North side of Chicago. He put us in this really horrible uh, roach infested apartment, took the money from the house and he left, but um, not before molesting me first. And uh, so he caused a lot of damage in a short amount of time. And my mother was left with a addiction to alcohol. And uh, she wasn't a very confident person anyway. Uh, being she, she grew up in a household that hid her in the or in the bedroom when company would come over because they were ashamed of her being deaf. My mm. father grew up different. He he didn't grow up with those insecurities that my mother did. But she became an abusive alcoholic. She'd be gone for days. Um, but I think it it got really bad when I was like eight years old. Mm. She'd be gone for days. When she'd come home, she would beat me because she was so angry at herself and mm. also at me because she had this responsibility that she had to come home to. And I don't, I don't think that she was very happy with that. Um, although I took care of her, I wrote out the rent checks when the social security money came in. I tried to help her, um, manage money. She would sell our food stamps to buy alcohol and things like that. So it was a pretty rocky, um, childhood. And I would go to my dad's some weekends. If he didn't have a, a serious girlfriend, he'd come and get me on, you know, every other weekend. And 
that was a good place to be. He was a happy person. He never hit me, but I never told him what was going on because I was protecting my mother. Right. Um, by the time I was 13, she committed suicide and she tried to take my life as well. She had stabbed herself in the stomach and throat repeatedly. Um, you know, I, I won't get into the whole details. That's all in the book, but, um, I obviously had escaped because of people who lived downstairs and um, I kind of thought, well, maybe the abuse would stop now. I mean, I, I was obviously hurt that she was gone. I was devastated that she was gone. I was devastated. She tried to take my life. I felt um, a lot of guilt because I was her caregiver and I felt like I failed her. Um, my dad was just remarried six months before that had happened. And I thought, well, maybe I can move in with him. And uh, they had my little sister who was seven years old already. They got married later on. They didn't get married when she was pregnant or married. But anyway, um, I moved in and with some kind of optimism, like, you know, this is, this is going to be a good start. But my stepmom did not want me to live there. And she would throw a fit if I ate there, if I washed my clothes there. She would literally take the food right in front of me, the plate, and throw it in the sink. And my dad and her would argue and she'd go lock herself in the bedroom. And it was just a lot of turmoil. So I ended up just saying, dad, don't worry about it. And I got a job at 13 years old working for a local grocery store owner. And he started out as a very, you know, he'd give me $10 a day for eight hours a day and I'd work after school and I'd close and I, and he started out as a friend, I felt like an adult that I could trust, mm -hmm. but he ended up molesting me for two years. Oh, no. And, um, yeah. And I felt like it, except for the time that that was happening, he was an adult that I could, you know, talk to and say, well, I need like, $15 today because I need to eat. I, I would eat out every day on the money and save the change to do my laundry at the end of the week. Yeah. So, um, and my father being deaf, uh, it, maybe the generation's different now, but that generation, you, your children took care of you. You didn't really take care of your children. And he just saw that I was you know, he wasn't giving me money to go to school. I was hitchhiking to go to school when high school started and, you know, all this stuff. And he, he wasn't a bad father. He just maybe didn't know how to be a good father. Yeah. Um, and he was trying to keep the peace between, you know, his wife and uh, just keep the home life, you know, peaceful. And I was someone who got out of the way. So yeah. I started drinking. I started partying. I started, you know, just I was never home. So, um, my little sister sometimes would leave food for me outside of our door, outside of our bedroom window and things like that. She was, she was trying to help out. Yeah. And, um, I met someone when I was 15, who was 25, who told me he loved me. He was going to take care of me. And, uh, I believed him, mm -hmm. you know, I was still naive, even though I was going through all the craziness I had gone through, I was still naive and uh still a virgin and he talked me into oh you know I love you and and I'm sterile I can't have children anyway and you don't have to worry about that 
four months later, I was pregnant. And um, so needless to say, he, he left and I was pregnant and didn't know what to do. Um, my grandmother, who I would see sometimes on the weekends, my father's mother, she took me in, but I knew that I couldn't live with her and expect her to take care of, you know, my baby and me. And I was 15. I had nowhere to go. Um, so I gave my son up for adoption. Um, it was really tough. And uh, I did find him when he was like 26 years old. And we talked periodically. And, and I'm blessed that that took place. And to know that he was safe and, and taken care of. Yeah. Because I've had um, to nag you for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was very, very hard. Very yeah. hard. And so from the time of like 16 to, you know, 18, I was pretty much just living every day, like staying at friends' houses, sometimes staying at my dad's trailer, sometimes, you know, I was just everywhere. Um, I was drinking heavily. I was smoking a lot of pot. I was uh, partying pretty hard. Mm -hmm. I think it was a way of just, hey, I'm having fun with my friends. I don't have to deal with all this trauma and abuse that's going on all the time, you know? Right. And of course, my dating habits were terrible I dated guys that weren't very good to me and you know uh pretty much took advantage of me and but it was normal to me I didn't feel like I was being mistreated because that was my life you right it's what you knew um, yeah and by the time I was 18 I had gotten my own apartment my cousin got me a, a good job with the steel workers union I got my own apartment my own Mustang and I'm working and I'm making money and I'm I'm responsible. I'm paying my bills and stuff, but I'm still partying pretty hard, yeah. you know, still partying pretty hard. And then I get into cocaine and then I had an eating disorder. I've been everywhere from 80 pounds to 200 pounds on the scale. Wow. Um, I've, I've just, I went through a lot of, um, a lot of the side effects that trauma and abuse cause that I didn't know because I was just surviving and existing, you know, and I thought, well, I'm working, I have my own apartment, I got my life together, you know, mm -hmm. and um, little did I know I did not. And I met someone at work who I ended up being engaged to, and and he, he is still a good guy, even though I'm not married to him anymore, but mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a very good guy, and I felt safe with him for the first time in my life. And I was uh, about 23 years old and I just had a breakdown. I guess I finally felt safe. I finally felt there was somebody that cared enough about me to be there for me. And I don't know, I couldn't explain it, but I fell apart. I, I thought I was going to go crazy. I was, I had a mental breakdown. I was terrified. I wouldn't get out of bed. I stopped going to work completely. I just was a mess. And mm -hmm. I was even telling him like, you need to leave me because this is not good. I don't think I'm going to get better, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I ended up studying how to change your mindset. I was never someone who went to traditional therapy or got on meds. Um, I always felt like I didn't want to talk to someone who was just telling me a process to go through that they read in a book. I felt right. like they're not going to understand 
what I've been through. So yeah. I didn't want to go. I just never did. So I started grabbing self-help books and um, my first one was uh, the Feel Good Handbook. And I can't remember the author, but I do remember the cover of this man smiling on the page. Um, it was the first time I started realizing that what, what I was going through is normal. Mm. And it was, um, I wasn't alone, that there were a lot of people suffering from mental illness. And I started going, okay, all right. Well, a lot of people, I'm not, a lot of people experience this. I'm not alone. Now, how do I get out of it? Right. And I just started to, um, I started with simple, um, a simple process. Norman Vincent Peale, I think, wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I just have to try to think more positive. And mm -hmm. the more I got into positive thinking, the more I noticed evidence of my life changing and opportunities coming. And I'm like, wait, this is real. Mm -hmm. And over the years, uh, 25 years plus I've been studying and it's led to like manifestation of laws of attraction. And just because I understand how that works and that it, and it does work, doesn't mean I still, I don't have my faith. I didn't give away my faith in God. I just found out that I have the power of God coming through me and I right. have the ability to co-create my life. Mm -hmm. And I just learned through mindset that you can really change your life no matter what you've been through. And um, not to knock therapy for everybody, um, but I do feel that a lot of therapy, they, they focus on the problem mm -hmm. and they keep talking to you about the abuse, about the problem, why, why you're feeling this way, why? Are, and I feel like it, it's better to take your mind off of focusing on the pain and the abuse and the past, you know, it's, it's redirecting your thoughts to letting that go. It's okay yeah. to let it go. It doesn't have to be your identity. It doesn't have to take your power away and you don't have to focus on it in order to get better. You don't have to find out all the why's you just need to change your mindset, start viewing and thinking, viewing things differently and thinking differently and you you can change your life, and so oh, the difference between control and and giving up control, right? You, uh, yeah, you take, yeah. You take the control back, and all of a sudden you feel this power, right? All of a sudden you it builds confidence, and now you're at a place where, you know, once you have that confidence, you feel like you can take just about anything on instead of feeling like you've been a punching dummy all this time, exactly. right? Just receiving blows. Now you're in a place where it, you you get a you get to feel like no matter what life throws at you you can handle it, right? If you look right. at it the right way and you take control of the situation, you can handle it, right? Yes. And the situation yeah. is here. I think one of the most powerful things for me was learning to take ownership. Yeah, like the bad things that were happening to me, the partners I was picking, and all this. I it it was. I had to say, this is my fault. Right. You know, I, yes, I've been through this abuse, and stuff, but I cannot blame these people. I had to take ownership for what was going on in my life because yeah. you can say, oh, this person's a jerk. This person, it, yeah, but they can't be a jerk to you unless you let them be a jerk to you. Right. right. So, um, so you have to take ownership. And, and I, I created a 90 day course and 
you know, it has weekly lessons with daily activities that start you in the the right directions to your, once you're doing it for 90 days, you were like, oh, wow, you know, and the lessons are things like, you know, taking ownership, self-love, being childish is super important. You gotta, you gotta, especially when you didn't have a childhood, you gotta learn to play. You gotta learn to have fun and enjoy life and um, not go through life in autopilot, get up, go to work, come home, eat dinner, watch TV. And that's one of the most dangerous lives to live is when you're on autopilot because now your thoughts are controlling you life is happening to you instead of you creating your life yeah. so and it's you know i think and if i if you don't mind i'd like to throw something in there if sorry. when you get to where you take ownership and somebody's a jerk to you all of a sudden you realize that it's their problem not yours right you can't prevent them from being a jerk to you, but you right. can prevent those you can prevent those blows from landing, right? Right. You can get to where you do an emotional rope-a-dope kind of thing where you're you're bobbing and you're weaving and you're missing, they're missing, right? They're not those punches. Right. Aren't, you're not reacting. Yeah, they're not landing. Right. And so, right. and even if they do, they're not having that negative effect on you that they were before. So exactly. it's it's more about. It's more about equipping yourself to stand up, right? Right, and also how you deal with that incoming it. fire, so to speak. Exactly, and then and then if you can, removing yourself from the situation. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, bringing your, you know, starting to build your community of positive, happy yeah. people that treat you the way you deserve to be treated. Yeah, and but learning that you do deserve to be treated good is is part of the is part of the plan too because a lot of people don't feel like they deserve more than what they're being you know how they're being treated especially if they've been through trauma and abuse for a long time it's a huge part of the battle right because there's this good and evil going on and the tough part is this is all you've ever known and all you've ever been told is that you're not good enough all you've ever been told are all these negative things all that's right and so the, the negative stuff's easier to believe. Right. It's that simple, right? And you've been told it all your life. And so you get to a place to where it's just, you think it's fact. Right. It's not, but you think it is and you feel right. like it is, right? And you have to get through this. And that's the gotta be the toughest part is getting through that process of identifying that, you know what? If you take ownership, and if you and if you look at this the right way, if you look at this the way that you that you that 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 really you should look at it, all of a sudden it changes things. Like, yeah, you know, years ago I owned a, a real estate office for eighteen years, and I had hundreds of people working with me, and I would get phone calls from people in tears because an agent on the other side was ugly to them, or you know, the a client was upset with them, or you know, whatever. Right, so. When it really got bad, it ended up on my desk because I was the owner. I was the broker. I was, right? right? The thing that I kept reminding everybody was when these people are yelling at you, they're not really yelling at you. They're really, right. you're sort of available to be abused. You're, yet right? Because if they, if they hit their right. wife, they're going to jail. If they right. kick their dog, they're going to jail, right? Right. They, they can't do you know, you're sort of the, you're sort of the, the available punching person, right? right? But what right. you have to understand is what they're really doing 
is they're expressing to you how miserable they are and how exactly. unhappy they are with their family, right? In their in their life. And it's not your fault that they've built a life that they're not happy with. Right. So when, exactly. once you get to a place to where you can conceptualize this and right. you understand how this works, right? All of a sudden, dealing with that incoming fire changes. Absolutely. It, it, you know, the punches don't land as hard and they don't. Yeah, it's and, right? it, and that's part of changing your mindset, looking yeah. at something differently. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. it's an education and it's and it's it's tools, right? But not tools that are readily available. I mean, the right. kind of thing that you're teaching people is the kind of stuff we need to be teaching kids in school. Absolutely. I I say that all the time, all the time. Um, I. I, I taught that to my children and now my grandchildren. Yeah. Um, I, I see my daughter doing this, you know, teaching it to her grand, to her children. It's pretty amazing. Um, but, you know, getting back to what you were talking about is uh, another thing I teach is being aware of your emotional scale. Yeah. If you're not feeling good emotionally, you're not thinking good. Yeah. So you have to kind of pay attention to yourself. And that's another thing. I'm not going through life on autopilot, like, how do I feel? Do I feel happy? Do I feel good? If not, my thoughts aren't in the right place. Now, what can I do to change my mindset? Yeah. There's times I go back to my course and just do it all over again, because I'm like, I know these steps work. So I'm going to do the work and, you know, I'm going to go back to the basics and get myself back into a place that I like being. Well, know? it's like armor, right? You, you, you build this armor up and you build up this skill set. And it has to get refreshed from time to time, right? It has to, you gotta polish the armor. You gotta, you gotta reinforce it so that it's so that it's more impenetrable, right? I mean, right. It's, it's an ongoing process. It's not something you learn and then all of a sudden it's okay, I'm done learning. No, that is right. No, it's it's a lifelong process for yeah. sure. For sure. And a lot of I'm it comes sorry, from your physical body too, right? Screen and I can't figure it out. Well, it's the way that you feel. Right. If you're if you're using your physical body and you're taking care of yourself, your diet, your exercise, all that kind of thing, that also helps to, to charge you emotionally. Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's like you're saying the fun part. Right. People have to get to a place to where they feel like they're having fun working out They're They're having fun taking care of themselves. And I tell okay. people this all the time. If you don't take care of you, you're not going to be equipped to take care of anybody else. That is very true. There's a reason why when you're on an airplane and the oxygen masks drop, you need to put yours on first and then assist somebody that's else. That's right. Yeah. That's it's the very, very important. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's just not a lot of that being taught. No. You know, we're always being bombarded by bad news and crime and the world's terrible and everybody's sick. And like it, I, it's no wonder that everybody's depressed and, and angry i mean yeah. we're just constantly being bombarded so i don't i don't turn the news on in my home my my grandma used to have a saying like if you don't want it happening in your living room don't put it on in your tv because right. <laughs> it's happening in your living room right but um i i stay in you know like i read the daily skim you know like keep up with what's going on in the world but i don't need to hear all the terrible things that are happening in the world Right. You know, if if you can't change it, you you've got to you've got to be the change. You've got to make your world a happy, loving place. And if everyone took care of their own little corner, 
the world would be a better place. Yeah. You so know? you're to blame for what you let in. Right. That's exactly. Simple, right. Yeah. If you let a bunch of this negativity in, it's going to change how you feel. It's going to change and you don't even realize it. Right. Like right. It's, it's insidious. It's silent. It's not something that you necessarily right. are able to recognize unless you have a skill set like you have. Right. Where all of a sudden you're going, okay, now I'm pulling my course back out. I'm going to, I'm going to read it again. Right. That's, that's important. Knowing that trigger, knowing when to do that, that's wisdom. <laughs> yeah. That that's, that's paying attention to your emotional scale. That's, yeah. that's saying, Hey, I'm, I haven't been feeling as joyful or happy as like, what's going on, yeah. you know? And, you know, we are conditioned from the time we're little, like what we're supposed to look like, what we're supposed to feel, what we're supposed to eat. Like we're constantly being bombarded. Like, you know, we're not allowed to learn about ourselves, right. you know, until you're taught to turn all that off, figure yourself out, yeah. you know, and don't try to live the way everybody's trying to tell you to live, you know, from a TV, you know, right. <laughs> or social media or whatever. So, um, yeah, it, it, it is a set of skills. And yeah. like I said, I've been studying them a long time, a long time. That's awesome. And I, I built a life that I absolutely love and adore. I'm very close to my children who are both married. Uh, my grandchildren, I spend two days a week with them and I get them overnight as much as I can. Yeah. Um, I just, I just love my, my life. You know, I travel a lot, been to 13 different countries. Uh -huh. I just, I, I love to live life and enjoy life. And I want other people to know that it's okay. It's okay yeah. to enjoy life, no matter what happened. You know, you don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to go well, Some people actually feel guilty when they feel happy. I know there's times that, you know, I've, I've said to somebody, oh, I love those boots. Oh, these are just, these are very cheap. They're very cheap. I didn't, you know, like they're apologizing that they have nice boots that I like that they're wearing. And I'm like, oh, it's, great that you have these beautiful boots, you know, but they almost become apologetic, you know, right. or, you know, how you feeling today? How you doing? Well, I'm, I'm surviving. I'm, it, you know, it's almost like people feel guilty to say, Hey, I'm doing good. I'm happy. I'm doing great. Yeah. It's okay to, to be doing great. It's okay to be happy. You know, it's okay to feel fulfilled, you know, yeah. and it's yeah. okay to pursue that. Right. Right. It's okay yes. to go do things that really add value, not only to, to the rest of the world, but also to you. So tell us about the book because writing your first book is no small feat. I'm literally in the process of doing it now. So I respect you more than you realize. Oh, uh, thank you. So tell us about what it was that, that compelled you to write the book that you wrote. Well, I will tell you that even, even in my twenties, people were telling me, you need to write a book. You need yeah. to write a book. I've been told that for very many years, you know, yeah. a lot of years, everybody's been telling me you need to write a book. And I was, um, I'm also a licensed massage therapist and, and Reiki master. So I was with one of my clients and she said, you know, Shirley, you really got to write a book. And mm -hmm. she had written a book and I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I do. And I went home and started writing a book. I don't know why her saying it. Mm -hmm made the difference but i think i got to a point where i felt safe enough that i didn't feel like i could be preyed upon while putting my story out there yeah. and 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 by the way what the what i've told you is in the book 
but there's so much more you yeah. know this is just a condensed quick you know um story uh you know quick condensed version of my life but there's so much more in the book and there's also tips in there and 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 positive reinforcement because there is a lot of trauma and abuse so um at the end of each chapter i try to put in a little reprieve and tell them you know what i learned from that part of my life and things like that um but writing the book was honestly it was just the right time and it just flowed out of me um at first i was struggling with keeping up with the editing of it and my publisher was like you you're not an editor you're a writer you don't have to edit and i'm like oh well, that makes it that much easier, you know, right. and give it then, to us, we'll edit it, right? Right. And then I was like, I had to deal with going back and revisiting because I don't like to focus on the past. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, so writing it, I had to go back. Mm -hmm. So I decided I was just going to write everything that happened. And then I was going to go back and relive it and put the emotion in it. And, and I took my time with doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, because then you have to kind of be descriptive in a book. You have to like the colors, the smells, the, like everything you have to put in there. So I had to go back and relive it. Right. But I wrote it all out first, and then I went back and added the emotion to it. So how did that and process feel? That had to have been tough. That was a little tough, but I will tell you that the secret ingredient were my grandkids. They kept yeah. me here when I had to go there. Yeah. Because they're filled with laughter and fun and joy and and you know, having them being a big part of my life, it it was it was probably the, the secret ingredient that got me through it, to be honest. Yeah. And my kids, they're super supportive. They're there for me. They they haven't read the book yet. They're not ready to read the book yet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they'll ever read the book. Uh they say they will, but um I, uh, there, I have a huge support system in my family. So, uh, and I have great friends and so, um, and again, when you choose to focus on the good in your life, you know, you, you kind of understand that this, this happened to me for a reason. Mm -hmm. And now I don't want all this happening to me or that happened to me to be in vain. Right. I want to be able to help people because of what I've been through. Right. Instead of being a victim, I want to help people overcome similar lifestyles, you know, right. things that they've went through. Have you shared with your grandkids that they were the reason you made it through? Um, they're three and five, so they don't know that my book is as traumatizing as it is. So one uh, of these days. Yeah, one of these days. Uh, it's in the book. I, they're in my acknowledgments. Yeah. yeah, so they will They will know. Um, but yeah, but I they don't know need my, a lot coming from you. Well, my grandson, he, he likes to write books. He's five, but he loves to make books. He loves to make comic books. And, you know, when I told him, you know, I have a book that I wrote and it's on Amazon. And he went, wow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so that was yeah. probably my biggest compliment right there. Just That's that right. wow from my grandson. That's Even right. though so many people have given me positive feedback, that was the most important one. That was the one yep. that got me. So yep, you're a big deal. You're a big yeah. deal to the five-year-old yeah, grandson. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, the book is uh it's just to kind of share my life because 
I think without sharing my life, people will say, oh, it's just another person saying to think positive. But no, yeah. I mean, if so many people thought there was no way I was ever going to have a good life, a positive yeah. life. I, I, I came from a trailer court on the South side. Like I came from like trauma, abuse and like in, and I, I didn't have the chance to go to school. I, I, you know, I was hitchhiking to high school for God's sake, you know, and I, I mean, I did go back and get my GED and I, you know, went and did different courses. I was a real estate agent too. And, wow. um, and, and I, I'm an entrepreneur by heart. You know, I had a dog walking business for six years. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of things, but um, I've been happy and successful in spite of not having all those opportunities yeah. that I probably should have been afforded as a, ch as a child and a teenager and a young adult. But, um, but I wanted people to understand where I came from so they can understand and see where I'm at now and say, Hey, wait a minute. Maybe if she did it, maybe I could do it too. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I'm a big believer that we go through the things that we go through and those things are allowed to happen in our lives in order to prepare us to help other people in the future. Yeah. And if you, you know, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how negative it is. If you look hard enough, you'll find a positive. Right. right. And by finding that positive, you learn from that and then from that difficulty. And then it gives you an opportunity in the future to come alongside somebody, put your arm around them and say, hey, I, I dealt with this. I dealt with something similar. And here's how I handled it. Right. right? And here's right. what I did to, for lack of a better term, be victorious where this right. was you know that kind of thing and um, that's what you've done I mean creating the coaching that you're doing and writing the book that you're that you wrote is literally your opportunity to go out and say look this happened to me right I own what happened to me right, right. and I also own how I reacted to it you right. know and what I've done to build on it over all these years right. and there's no telling how many people you're saving literally right. by writing the book, by, by, I mean, even your book signings. And I'm not joking when I say this, people are going to come to your book signing to have you sign the book. And I know as an author, you think, okay, well, they're having me sign the book because I'm the author and, you know, right. Look in these people's eyes. There are a lot of people that are coming there to meet you because of your story. They're coming there to meet you and and the the sort of the symbolic thing is that you're signing the book, right? But what you're really doing is you're validating them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I I don't think I've looked at it that way. So I'm, I'm well. So so think you know, think about this. Put yourself in the shoes of just somebody who has been through something similar to what you've been through, and they picked your book up and they read your book. Okay, and they may not even be done with it. They may be in the in the process of reading it. But right. they come to the book signing because they want to lay eyes on the person who has taken their life and become victorious with it, right? From this story that's just really rough to hear, right? let alone to live, right? And right. there's no telling how many people that are in that line waiting for, to, for you to sign their book just to meet you for 10 seconds, right? Uh -huh. 
and thank you for writing the book. I know people have thanked you for writing the book. I know for a fact they have, yeah. right? And they've told you that, you know, how, how impactful it's been. Right. It's not you signing. It's them seeing you. It's them being able to be in your presence. It's the, it's the fact that they get an opportunity to put a face with the name and a being with the experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, that is something to think about. I, I, um, I thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. Well, they're gonna they're gonna wait in line, right? Probably in the cold. No, hopefully they'll be inside. <laughs> well, okay, but they're gonna wait in line, right? right? They're gonna go out of their way from their busy life to to bring that book down and have you sign it. Yeah, I, I, uh, that means a lot to me, actually. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I I do plan on writing other books like um, Parenting After Trauma and Abuse and Dating After Trauma and Abuse. I, I do plan on writing books in the future, but it, right now I'm just focusing on this one. Yeah. And um, uh, I I named it after, uh, I, I know you know Elton John. Elton John, mm -hmm. uh, Bernie wrote the song, Elton John sang the song. Uh, someone saved my life tonight. Yeah. Uh, Sweet freedom whispered in my ear is the name of the book, and that song actually describes the whole night that my mom died. Like I, I had actually written Elton John a letter and sent him a copy of the book, and went through every verse of that song and explained how it pertains to the night my mom died, and so you know, when I was struggling with the book title, one night I was falling asleep and it came to me, Sweet Freedom Whispered in My Ear. Mm -hmm. um, and how fitting that is because freedom is my most treasured asset, right. you know? And, you know, as I was going through all that, freedom was whispering in my ear. It was saying, yeah, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And, and somehow I made it through all that. Right. And then the right books started coming to me and the right, you know, studies and, and I've transformed my life, thank God, <laughs> and um, live a life that I really do love and cherish. Can and, I ask you a question? Sure. What made you write that letter to Elton John? Um, Because I was great i i wrote one to bernie too by the way <laughs> they each got a copy i don't know if they got the letter i just a couple of weeks ago mailed it to them um because that song really got me through uh i listened to it a lot growing up uh it it gave me hope it was a song that was written and i wanted them to know that it made a strong impact on a young girl who was going through severe trauma and abuse and watched her own mother take her life and like this song gave me hope and I hope that it does get into their hands I hope that they do read it and, or at least read the letter and understand why I titled the book Sweet Freedom Whispered in My Ear and what Bernie writing it and Elton bringing it to life meant to a little girl who had nobody you know mind if I share something with you sure the same thing that made you write that letter is why people are coming to your book signings. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a little mind-blowing. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
It is, but it's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. And when you, when you're, when they're standing in line and you're signing those books, look in their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I usually do when I'm talking to people, oh, I but I, I'll I pay a little more attention to well, that being, you know, possibly they had been through something similar and, uh, you know, or wanting to see, you know, someone who actually had overcome it. Yeah. I would love it if you had like a, like a forum of people that have read your book and if they just had an opportunity where you just sat down with them and you asked them, tell me how my book affected you. Yeah, I I um I do talk to people who, you know, like if if I put a post out and someone's like, oh, I'm I'm gonna buy that book. And I'm like, oh, will you message me afterwards and give me feedback? So I have gotten a lot of feedback. And like I said, on on Amazon, I think there's 36, 37 um five star reviews and people wrote long reviews and i was very touched by it uh, i read some of them yeah it, it 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 was very moving very moving and um so i'm i'm glad to be making an impact yeah you are i'm glad to be doing that you know yeah it took a lot of years to actually sit down and share the book and then have it published and i think until it was published I was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, no problem. And then when it was published, I was like, oh boy, <laughs> it's really out there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's and really out there. I hope everything's going to be all right. You know, yeah, like, it, it's out there, right? And now it's almost like you're exposed, right? And right, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's that's sort of what I'm getting at is if you sit down in like a forum type setting, if there's any way to do that, and ask people to share with you how it's affected them. I think right. it'll be one of the most enriching experiences in their lives and yeah. one of the most enriching experiences of your life. I really do. Yeah. 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 I have a Facebook community page, Red Leaf Healing, that I have over 700 people in the community. Yeah. And I do get a lot of feedback from that as well. So, awesome. yeah. And I just write blogs on there. Um Today was about, you know, self-love because Valentine's Day, by the way, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's um, Day. <laughs> um, you know, just about it being in love, like some people loathe the day and, and you know, watching other people share love, if they feel like they don't have love could be kind of tough. So I kind of wrote about, you know, it's it's nice to see people celebrate their love. It's not a negative thing. But there's also self-love. There's also uh, your your children, your grandchildren, your pets. You can show love in a lot of different ways. But number one is self-love. Because yeah. if you don't love yourself, you're not going to be able to receive love nor give it properly. So, right. um, you know, I wrote a little bit of blog on that today. But I like to try to stay involved and, and write little things. Yesterday was about labels. You know, labels is as much as they could be a help in the medical industry, it's also can be very damaging to someone. Mm -hmm. You're telling them you're this, you have PTSD, you have, you know, you know, depression. You have, and when you label someone, you give them this, they're, they're doomed. They feel doomed mm -hmm. and a label doesn't have to be a label forever. It can okay. be changed. So I wrote a little bit about that. So I try to write a lot and, and uh, stay involved with the community and try to give, any type of advice that maybe might help at least one person reading it that day. Yeah. And you know, when the medical profession tells you something, instead of, instead of identifying with it and letting it become part of your identity, you can turn it into a challenge. 
Absolutely. Right? You can turn it into something that you're going to overcome. I yeah. did. I did years ago. I spent seven hours in the emergency room at a local hospital here. In fact, it's in the same city that I'm talking to you from. Mm -hmm. And I went to the doctor the next day and I said, doc, what do I need to do? And she said, you need to lose weight. I said, doc, I've lost 104 pounds. And she goes, well, you need to lose more. And you need to do it now. I lost 51 pounds in 90 days. Wow. And That's afterwards, great. and I learned a ton about myself, right? I learned a ton of, of skills that I didn't have before, right? right? I also learned that I had food addictions that I didn't know I had. I also right. learned about self-love. I learned about taking care of me. Because if I don't take care of me, I'm not going to be around to, to walk my daughter down the aisle. I'm That's not going right. to be around to see my son graduate from college, which he did a couple of years ago when I was there, right? Oh, I'm awesome. not going to, be, you know, I've got grandkids coming, right? right? And nobody on this planet is going to be more excited about being a granddad <laughs> than I am, right? Yeah. I mean, come I know on, the baby. You know, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, this is, this is one of those things where I had to not take this obesity thing as a label I had to take it as a challenge. I'm not going to, I'm not just going to sit idly by and let this be reality. That's not going to happen. I got right. here because I sat idly by, right? So right. we're going to take this on. And at the end of that 90 days, when I sat down with the, with the doctor, she said, congratulations, you cured yourself and we want to hire you. Wow. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah. I have tens of thousands of patients who have gone through the same type of health care that you went through where they went to the emergency room, they're in the hospital, whatever, right? They come out of it and they come back to us 90 days later and they're heavier. Oh. They're in worse shape than they were. Oh, You're one of the only people we can think of out of tens of thousands of our patients that actually took this on and naturally changed your, your situation. We right. don't hire you. We don't even have a position. We have to create one for you That's to amazing. talk to, to our diabetes support groups we believe you can inspire people to do what you did. That's amazing. Right? That's amazing, yes. But the bottom line to all of this is it's the same exact mindset that you're talking about, right? Yeah. You're it's just true. not going to accept the status quo. You're not right. going to accept what people try to label you with or people right. try to tell you is your, is your, um, is your ultimate destiny. You're just right. not going to accept it. You're going to absolutely figure this out. I'm going to figure it out or I'm going to die trying. One of the two. Right. right? <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm bringing yes. it. I'm bringing it. Right. Exactly. And that's what this is about. And this is, that's what this entire podcast is about, is about inspiring and motivating people. And I guarantee that's amazing. you. I, I, I love that you're doing this. It, I guarantee really... you that you've inspired and motivated a ton of people around the world today. And well, I cannot thank you, thank you enough. Well, I mean, I, could, I can't do it without people like you that are, are having me on as a guest to, you know, help get my message out there for people who need to hear it. So I well, I'm, I'm so I'm so pumped up. I'm ready to war onto a wall. I know you can't <laughs> tell because I I hide it well, but I'm <laughs> super, super excited for our time together. It was so oh, great to get you. to meet thank you. you. And thank you for, for sharing your story with us. And thank you again for being a guest on the Mike Litton Experience. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Thanks again. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. 
another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out Calendly.com slash Rio 760.